So it's a little lonelier this week without Tom. It's just you and I. Yeah, that was fun, but uh, it's good. It's it's good to just be alone with you, Russell. It feels it feels right. Yeah. Um. Yo. What's up? Um. So fun fact today, I went shopping. Okay. I had a little bit of time to myself, so I went to some used video stores. Uh, some rental places, some pawn shops, did some buying, and I realized that I have a problem. Mm-hmm. The stack that you see in front of you right here is all shit that I bought today that I duplicated. Wait, that you you bought, but you already own? <laughs> I already own. So you you saw Jennifer's body on the shelf, and you thought, you know what? That's going to be a fine piece to add to the collection. So... Oh, and then you get home and realize that you've had that same exact thought before. Mm, actually, here's the funny <laughs> thing about Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body, I bought both of those today. <laughs> I, I, I went and I, they had, the pawn shop had them 10 for $10 or 5 for $5. So I got that and then I apparently forgot about it because then I picked up the Blu-ray later. And I remember seeing this. A few years ago and not liking it, but everybody, it always shows up on like everybody's like give it a second chance list. And okay. the majority of everything that I bought had a reason, like it was for you and I basically. Mm-hmm. So the, the, <laughs> it's funny that you start out with that because I thought that was going to be the punchline was that there's actually ones that I bought double today. But that's pretty pathetic. Yeah. So here's what I thought. I thought once we, once we start covering all these, I'm going to do a giveaway for the listeners. Nice. Uh, for those duplicated ones. So uh, you'll know when that comes. I'm not going to tell you guys all the titles now, but uh, it definitely... But, one, s- but two of them are Jennifer's body. <laughs> so, but it definitely uh, uh, started me thinking, like, I have to figure something out, a way to stop doing this, yeah. because there's multiple other ones that I debated about that I came home to find, like, eh, pretty glad I, that I didn't double dip on those. You need to get organized. I do need to get organized. So I've got an app downloaded. I got a lot of scanning to do, and I got to get stuff figured out, so... That sounds like fun, actually. Yeah. It, uh, Probably not a lot of people's fun, but it sounds like my kind of fun. Yeah. You want to s- stay late and scan all my DVDs for me? No. <laughs> it sounds like it would be fun if it were my collection. <laughs> so, I, I would enjoy getting that collection together. I have recently purged most of my physical media, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel very good about it. Oh, what I feel good about i did a conscious double dip today mm-hmm. i got another blue uh, i'm sorry another dvd copy of lawnmower man great uh because this version has a commentary by the director nice so the one that i have is a uh it's the snap case like the super old style ones oh those ones i always pulled those things off ones that have the tabs on the side no you have to untab and no, then... no no no. it's like the cardboard with the plastic oh okay yeah so that's what i had and then uh this is a regular clamshell style one can we talk about those tabs the tabs those tabs suck the tabs are obviously like a deluxe packaging thing but they are annoying i i feel like i most often get them in like things you get in like the five dollar bin what yeah. Really? Those are like on Pixar and stuff, I thought. Like, those are the fancy ones. I I don't know. I've, al- I've always bought those and immediately ripped them off. So... Because they annoy the hell out of me. The big thing... We talked about Scream Factory before from Shout Factory, mm-hmm. right? 
So a lot of those come with slip cases or O cards is what they're called on CDs. Yeah. The cardboard that wraps around them. And people freak out about those, man. Like I get the collector aspect to, to a degree, mm-hmm. but there are people that are paying 10 bucks just for the slips. Yeah, I threw those out too. So I've been selling my slip covers for like 10 bucks because I'm like, that's halfway to me getting another premium title. Yeah. Uh, so it works out pretty good. Their uh, Vestron video has also recently started coming out with a Blu-ray packages, like deluxe editions of their old stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem with them is they're they're in recycled packaging, which sounds great, yeah. but they are they have the giant recycle logo literally cut out of the plastic on the cover. So when you uh-huh. try to open it, you like poke your hole. Th- yeah, through that so it's a little counterintuitive when you're paying 25 or 30 dollars for a blu-ray yeah like i want a solid piece of plastic yeah i uh i had a similar gripe with recycled packaging it was the so futurama got canceled mm-hmm. and then they made four it's basically they called them movies but they were basically like four episodes mm-hmm. they made four of those uh, and they all came out on dvd and they were in all recycled packaging, mm-hmm. but it was like recycled paper, and there was no, there was zero plastic, so the actual disc slid into like a slot in oh, the plastic so in the paper. It up. I I don't know if it did, but I always feared that it would, and so it was like I, I always hated that, mm-hmm. because though I throw away the slip covers and tear off those tabs, my actual discs I totally care about and always keep those pristine, and I'm even weird about letting people borrow what few physical media I have left. Yeah. Few pieces. I don't know how to segue back from that. That's our DVD talk. The end. It's good. It's a good segue. Thanks. The end always works. <laughs> we we watched uh, Last House on the Left in the remake. Yes, we did. So starting with the 72, the very first film by Wes Craven. This was his very first film? Mm-hmm. Okay. Overarching. What did you think? Uh, it definitely showed an amateur filmmaker. Uh, it So story-wise, it was not... I don't know what I was expecting, mm-hmm. having uh, heard about this, but like title only, not knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I expected, but it definitely wasn't what I got. Okay. Um, not, not for better or for worse, just as an observation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the directing and editing, uh, it was rough in times, I thought. Yeah, it's definitely a gritty, rough movie. Like, there are scenes with, uh, hair on the lens, and it goes between shot and shot, so obviously it stayed there for quite a while. And then you move over the other scenes, and then the hair has moved mm-hmm. in the frame. Stuff that, I don't know, uh, people usually would see. Right. Um, he w- he was an English teacher okay. before he started making films. So I, I'm not going to disagree with you at all that this is definitely looks like somebody's first movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought, I th- uh, so we're just... We'll just get into it. Get into it. Uh, I thought where that definitely showed at its truest was when 
uh, Phyllis. She runs interference. She says, I'm going to run away, and then you marry, then escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't give a spoiler warning anymore. I guess you can assume. I think there should be a total spoiler warning for the entire podcast. We yeah. we tell you exactly what you're going to see the following week the, in a the perfect previous world. week. Yes. Previous week. Yes. So, in theory, you're watching the movies with us, mm-hmm. uh, or you're cherry-picking based on the titles uh, if you're looking at a back catalog. So, there's right. always going to be spoilers. We anticipate you having seen these, and we are going to spoil it, and we are going to have a conversation with you about the entirety of the movie. Yeah. So, basically, spoiler warning. Anyway, she, she says, I'm going to run, and then you, Mary, get away. Mm-hmm. So, she runs off, and... I know that it's woods and then a river, mm-hmm. but even that little bit of geography, they get confused. Yeah. And it confuses the, the watcher a lot. Oh, yeah. There's so uh, I promise we'll come back to this. Okay. So, those folks that didn't watch it with us but don't care about spoilers, mm-hmm. fill you in real quick. So, we have a couple of 17 year old girls. Uh, yeah. So, if we can start there. Literally the first thing, the first lines of dialogue mention a, this girl, it's her 17th birthday. Inner what, cut, what happens in the next scene? Inner cut with a shower scene. Of which which person? Justin? Of the 17, the, the girl we are finding out is 17 years old. Oh no, but certainly you don't see her breasts. Uh, you totally do. You see the girl's breasts that they just established was 17? Literally, this is her seventeenth birthday. She's not even like seven; like it's almost her eighteenth birthday. Mm-hmm. She she is turning seventeen or just turned seventeen. Yes, which the mailman is very excited about. He is, but all right. So you happen to see a seventeen-year-old's breast, but it's not like the next scene. She's not talking about her breasts with her parents. Yeah, and uh, rubbing, talking about sandpapering off her nipples. Wait, 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 wait! You're saying she does do this? She totally does. <laughs> With In fact, I, I made a list that the parents complain about what she's wearing, uh, the neighborhood and where she's going, who she's going with, and the performance they'll be seeing, and then they totally just let her go anyway. Having brought up all those issues, they 100% do not agree with anything, but they're like, ah, kids will be kids. Mm-hmm. We'll just let her go. Even uh, though we have all these reservations. I do not have a 17-year-old, but I can't tell you how many times in my life, like, you're going to get hurt. Go ahead and get hurt. <laughs> like, So I totally see that happening. Like, you're about to get raped and murdered. Good luck to you. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the parenting technique. It's not like, oh, she's going to learn that stove is hot. It's, oh, she's going to learn that bad neighborhood equals murders and rapists. So it's a little different. <laughs> it is a little bit different, but uh, yeah, the, the the cringe factor of it definitely notwithstanding. Right. Backing up to the, who you were referencing before, the mailman. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple callbacks to things that I've mentioned previously. Okay. Uh, there's no way that the mailman and that dog are not dead. <laughs> I can't not think about that when I see an animal in an old movie. Okay. That animal, that dog is dead. Yeah. Dead. I mean, that was. 45 years ago dead dog yeah and that man if that dog is still alive that's crazy and that man was 70 when this movie was made (laughs) at least so he's definitely dead too i'm not saying that and like i'm I'm enjoying it it's just it kind of uh, definitely definitely, no it definitely hits me and like 
makes me think that uh, dead. Yeah. Um, so then they let her go out with Phyllis Stone mm-hmm. to go see Bloodlust. Bloodlust. Well, a, apparently a band mm-hmm. who sometimes kills live chickens on stage. Mm-hmm. But that's fine because yes. they apparently only did it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the girls go out. She takes the car, which apparently they only have one car. They do only have one car, which, again, this might be the 70s, so or this is the 70s, so that right. may be the norm. Like, that may not be an odd thing. Maybe. I mean, they're, it's a couple with one daughter. Uh, who is a doctor. Yeah. He's a doctor. So, so they should have, like, 17 cars. Uh, one would think. Yeah. But... Yeah, so then they go off, uh, radio plays uh, bad music and news of escaped criminals, Mm -hmm. uh, assisted by uh, one of the guy's sons and an animal woman. Animal woman? Animal Uh, woman. So so we find out that's Krug, Weasel, uh, Son, Junior, Junior. and Sadie. Yes. Okay. Uh, I believe Weasel's also called Sam. Fred, I thought. I, hmm. We're completely on the opposite side. <laughs> Sam and Fred is totally different. Yeah, because, um, yeah, we'll talk about that in other movie. That's okay. So uh, they go into the city. Meanwhile, one of the things that they do before they run into Krug and company is mm-hmm. they get ice cream, and they share the ice cream at one point. Like, she gets an ice cream cone, and she's like, right. try this ice cream. Ice cream on a cone is not a shareable food. That was so gross to me. Really? Absolutely. You're d- d- a germaphobe like that? I don't think I'm a germaphobe, but there's, like, I don't, I'm not freaked out necessarily. Like, I don't have to touch certain places on the door handle when I leave the bathroom. I mean, I wash my hands, but honestly, usually that's just rinsing water over them or whatever. The quickie rinse. The quickie rinse. Here's a fun fact. About the quickie rinse? No, about my penis. Okay. 80%... We can't get through one episode. ...of the time when I go to the bathroom, I do a quickie rinse, and then I wipe my hands on my pants. Mm-hmm. I don't dry them. 50% because I'm lady, but also lazy, but 50% also because I'm scared that I've dribbled on myself mm-hmm. so that I'm masking any dribbles that I have on my pants with the water so that any dribbles doesn't appear as pee-pee. It appears as the water that I've used to rinse my hands on my pants. That's that's good thinking. It's But it's not like you wear like khakis or something. I wear khakis every day. I don't have anything but khakis. You're not wearing khakis now. I'm wearing sweatpants. I don't think I wear <laughs> sweatpants to work. I just I sat around and watched a movie. I mean... This is a professional product. I'm wearing a suit and tie sitting yeah. here discussing this with you. Like a goddamn gentleman. <laughs> That's what you do yeah. around here. Uh, yeah, ice cream is definitely not something that you share. The other thing that I do... I'm that totally I, fine with ice cream sharing. Oh, gross. Not with strangers, but gross. also she she did it in the best way possible. She like took a bite of the ice cream. It's not like she like gave it a lick. That's true. She like took a bite of it. It also depends also because if it is an attractive female i'd probably be okay with it but she's an attractive she's a female too so that's weird um the other thing that i think that i do that's a little i don't think it is germaphobic Mm -hmm. i think it's just smart is 
when people cough as I'm walking towards them, I hold my breath until I'm out of the of the area that they coughed in. Yeah. So that's super gross. Yeah. The other thing that freaks me out is when I'm outside and you can it's cold so you can see somebody's breath. Mm-hmm. I don't want to breathe in their breath that they exhaled. <laughs> that's gross. You want to know a fun fact? Yes. Uh, every time you breathe in, you breathe in more atoms of air than... Uh, I believe people than who have not not people who have ever lived more. You breathe in more molecules of air than all breaths that have ever been breathed. So every time you breathe in, you're probably breathing in a molecule of air that Hitler breathed in. Oh, I, I'm well. Aware. I'm not saying that I'm justifying it in my <laughs> brain. I'm saying my thoughts is what is what. Yeah. By the, the way, neither of those things are helping. Uh, when you hold your breath, it still just gets on your skin and just seeps in anyway. I, I've not made any arguments that I <laughs> that I know that it's rational or yeah. anything. I'm saying it's it's all about feeling okay with it. Uh, yeah, it's the same reason. Guess who doesn't breathe in their mouth when they're in any bathroom ever? Yeah, because that is super gross. Like I don't want to taste somebody's poo. But when you breathe in through your nose, you're getting poo in your nose. Yeah, but I can smell it, but at least it's not in my mouth where I would taste it. Uh, um, I know this isn't scientifically correct. I know you have your scientific poop studies you're going to try to quote me right now, but... I'm just saying you you wouldn't really taste it because your tongue... I wouldn't know because I don't, I'm not gross and I don't breathe through my mouth in the potty. <laughs> But you do smell it, which is most of what taste is. Not unless the, unless the poo is extra sour, I sweet, salty. I don't know about you, but I don't smell anything with my mouth. Bitter umami. <laughs> um, so uh, the girls uh, end up attempting to buy marijuana from Junior. Yeah. And they end up in the hotel room with Krug and company. Hotel room, apartment, something. Yes. Still. They're, they're crashing place yeah. where they're yes. crashing. Uh, and the film devolves into there, into uh, rape and torture. Yeah, they basically, they get thrown in the trunk and they basically want to drive to Canada because they just escaped prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which... One in, go ahead. So, either Fred or Sam, Weasel, Weasel, Weasel and Krug were mm-hmm. in jail together and escaped. Right. Junior and Sadie aided their escape, correct? Yes. Okay. I just want to be 100% on that. Um, so they've escaped. Go ahead. Uh, also, more backstory. Uh, Krug has gotten Junior uh, hooked on heroin. Yes. So that he can more easily control him. Which he which f- is, is important to the plot. It's super important. They... They bring it up constantly. Right. But he... So Junior would have had to have had a means to continue getting his heroin while Krug was in jail, though. So he yeah. had to be resourceful in some way. But he... Uh, so that becomes a defining plot point that he keeps relying on Krug to get him his fix. Mm-hmm. But there had to have been a way that he was getting his fix while Krug was in jail. Yeah. I mean, it could have been Sadie. It, it could have been, been it could have been Krug's influence on the outer world. We don't know. Yes, um, but we do know at this point he can't get it himself. 
Krug has the this whole supply. Yes. Um, well, since we brought up Sadie, in both films, mm-hmm. s- there's a odd relationship with Sadie and the rest of the gang. In this film, definitely. Especially in this film. Less so in the remake. Yeah, in the remake, it, it's a little more clear. But in this film, she's sort of, she's she's one of the gang for sure. Yeah. But she's also... Not and kind like of lesser. She's definitely a lesser. And I think they even say, like, you think you're equal to us or something. Yeah, you're inferior. So is she Weasel... And Krug's sexual partner is what I gather. Uh, I Not mean, juniors. They they kind of well. So the first time we see any kind of relationship between the four of them, it is Junior talking to her in the bath, and then completely casually, completely casually, when she's sitting there naked, uh, and he's like playing with the water. Next to her? Yes. Which is weird? Yes. And then something weirder happens is he starts croaking like a frog. I feel like that was definitely something that felt like it was this actor can fro- croak Ex- well. That is exactly so what I wanted to ask you. let me figure out a way to work the croaking into the plot. Like if he could right. have mooed well, I feel like it would have turned into a moo. Yeah. Uh, so we're on the same page with that, right? 100%. Because yeah. he had a good croak. He had a great croak. Whether or not it fit into a rape exploitation film, I don't know. But he had a good croak. Yeah. He would have fit well in Frogtown, I think. Definitely. Um, so they end up... You just reminded me that that movie existed <laughs> and I hate you for it. <laughs> You're welcome. So they, so they, uh, the two girls end up... Uh, in the trunk, they end up getting abducted right. by Krug and company. Mm-hmm. Um, car breaks down. Car breaks down by happenstance right in front of Mary's house. Very luckily. Very luckily, it breaks down. But in front, of, to be fair, in front of their house, it's very secluded, mm-hmm. and it's like a, there's like a walk up to get there. Because yes. even even the the ent- front entrance, you can't see it from the street. Correct. Um, and it's just covered in woods. But this is a major plot point that mm-hmm. happens by happenstance. Right. While the police are there. While the police happen to be there, they decide, they literally say, it's not like this is going to lead us to Mary. Right. Um, and they drive away. So Krug and company end up going through the woods mm-hmm. with them. Because Phyllis bitter and they're going to teach her and teach them a lesson yes go spit him yes uh phyllis ends up escaping and that's where we get to what you were referencing right was the completely geographically confused chase scene just completely like at one point she gets ahead of them and then like goes over a hill and ducks behind the hill or this little weird alcove or mm-hmm. whatever. And so then they both go in front of her. And there's a river there. So Sadie and Weasel decide to split up. And they both go along the bank of the river. And Phyllis goes away from the river. Okay. And then the next time we see Phyllis, she's next to the river. But somehow across the bank from Weasel. 
Yeah, so there's the thing. Like, when you brought this up when we were watching it, I was kind of dismissing your criticism as, you don't know how the river runs. Maybe it curves back or something like that. But the big thing for me is they end up on opposite sides of the river. Mm -hmm. And then a few cuts later, they're back on the same side of the river as one another. Yep. So I think you're correct. And this is an example of being geographically geographically confused not giving us enough establishing shots maybe there wasn't enough material left to explain how they got back and forth or what have you but either way it's definitely a flaw i would argue in the movie i to me it's just it seems to me to be the the sins of an early well sins is a strong word but it's it shows in uh an unexperienced filmmaker Mm -hmm. who just like oh it's woods woods all looks the same Mm -hmm. so we'll just shoot in the woods and And we'll cut this together to make it as dramatic as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Um, So something I think that we're going to have to talk to about eventually, I assume you've got the notes written down, I'm ready to bring it up now, is the soundtrack to this film. It is the worst. Just awful. It's just awful music. And then at one point, or actually a couple points, (laughs) the the song just just narrates what's happening on screen. So... I'm not disagreeing with you at all that this is bad, that it doesn't help the film, that it's tonally confusing. Here's Mm -hmm. the thing, though. Having seen a lot more of these than you have, this is totally a 70s thing. Like, not only that, but like the bumbling cops. There's a whole bunch of films like this for some reason that, that I don't know if we're just not in that era that we can't understand it. But that's that's the norm that you have like these completely tonally different aspects between the soundtrack and the film. And then there's like it's a staple of like 70s movies like this that you have bumbling cops. So I don't know if at that time it was comic relief or what it was, but there's literally a whole there's there's movies where you're seeing them throwing their hats on the ground just to pick them up like this one. Yeah. Or intercut s- with something their forehead s- slap yeah yeah sergeant slap the face yeah uh is what i was calling him in my head <laughs> um so yes it is not good i completely agree with that but i think it's a product of its time more so than anything uh, okay the bumbling cop thing uh i didn't find terrible like you said, tonally did not fit at all. Mm-hmm. It was weird comic relief, like right next to a rape scene. Also, not funny comic relief. Yeah, for the record, <laughs> right. Uh, but that music, man, like, so it is. Junior driving, the two of them are in the trunk. Weasel and Kruger in the back seat, and Sadie is on top of Krug's lap, mm-hmm. and they're having sex. Yes. Uh, I think that's called the reverse cowgirl, for the record. Right. Uh, Carrying on a conversation. Yes, and then the music keeps talking about Krug and his crew. And, like, mentions characters by name and tells you what's going on right now at this moment. At the beginning of that... And it's weird. At the beginning of that song, I was thinking maybe Junior or Weasel was singing it. I thought so too, but then it, like they're not. Like I expected them to be having a guitar because it almost sounded like it could just be a, a guy with a guitar singing it. Yeah. 
And so I thought, like, you'd pull back and see Weasel singing the song. Right. It was not. It was no. the movie singing the it's song. It's a movie is singing the song about the movie. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. And, and that's the only place where it does it and just does it on the nose, where they, like, mention characters by name and describe what's going on screen. There's another, there's another time where tonally the music doesn't make sense because it's something terrible has just happened and then the music is telling you how terrible it was the thing that just happened and it just it did not fit at all the whole soundtrack is bad i agree that being said i still feel like the whole time you're watching this movie mm-hmm. there's a weight to it like, oh yeah certainly. there there is completely you're still seeing some disturbing stuff like in the woods when they're being told piss your pants like it is right. not comfortable it is no. not funny it has a weight to it that i think definitely even in spite of the soundtrack and what you're hearing mm-hmm. hits you that's i to me that's kind of what makes it so offensive is that it's the the geography totally took me out but that music also kind of takes you out of the moment where it's like Think about it. They're driving down the highway with two girls in their trunk. And, like, the main bad guy is getting his rocks off. Having a conversation with his son driving. With his son driving. Having a conversation with his buddy or whatever. That is, like, that establishes how crazy and fucked up that these people are. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't need a song talking about Krug and the crew and how crazy and fucked up they yeah. are. And that 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 is a movie sin to me. That was that just yanked you out of it because right. the the uh, so much more of this movie just has this weight and this gravitas to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I w- but I would say even in spite of all that, it still does. Yeah, that, that's what the, like I can't even imagine how hard it would hit. If it if you were to rescore the film, mm-hmm. because throughout so they get taken to the woods, they're told to piss themselves, they're made to, to have sex with one another against their will. Yeah. Um. Phyllis gets killed. Phyllis gets killed, and this is I I don't know. There's a weird bit of gore in there, where which there's they, no other gore really in the movie. No, so they like he stabs her in the back. And then they like stab her more a few more times, and uh, Krug has a machete, and they're just kind of stabbing her. Her pants fall down for some weird reason. Uh, and then cut to Sadie kind of pulling out her intestines for mm-hmm. no reason, and it doesn't look like her belly was ever opened. My guess again is that this is an issue with what materials they had via when they were editing, what they were able to save, what they were able to use. I think it's probably an editing problem more than anything. Is yeah, um, or not enough B roll, not enough some, coverage. Something, yeah, I would agree. Um, but yeah, then I mean, to me, that's take out the intestine thing if you can't explain it. Yeah, but, I, I'm not disagreeing at all. But uh, yeah, there's weird thing there. Um, so she gets killed. Mary right. ends up making a run for it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And this, to to be fair, this is her backyard. She So she cons Junior saying, hey, my dad's got methadone. 
Uh, she gives him her necklace. Mm-hmm. And this this is basically her backyard. That being said, if you didn't see the film, her backyard is acres upon acres upon acres. This isn't a literal backyard like you're thinking. This but, is, but presumably she grew up there and should know it, right? Who's to say she doesn't know it? I, I mean, nothing that nothing that happens leads you to think she doesn't know where she's going, right? But then she immediately runs into Krug. And it again, this is a geography thing. It didn't look like they were anywhere close to a collision course. Yeah, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with that part of it. I was just disagreeing with whether or not she knew where she was going. So whether crew could pop out of nowhere like a ghost, you could totally be right about that. But yeah. where she ever she was going, she could totally know where she was going. It's just that this backyard is acres long. Right, but she does say like my house is just right up here. Mm-hmm. So. She seems to know where she's going. She's also telling them that to, she would say whatever she wanted to try to get them to do what she wanted, to try to get Junior to believe her or whatever. Yeah, but that's her plan. That's her whole plan is mm-hmm. to go get help. Right. I don't know. So, regardless. Then right. probably the most disturbing thing in the movie happens. Which is what? Uh, They they get Mary. Uh, they've chopped off Phyllis's arm and mm-hmm. they show it to her. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. Mary's freaked out. And then Krug carves his name into her chest and then rapes her. After attempting to get his son to rape her. Yes. yes. I don't I don't remember that in that woman. Um, am I mixing these two? I think he I think he might be. I could be mistaken. I think okay. he might be mixing them. Okay, I may, I may very well But be. I'm pretty sure he just carves his name in and there then, and then, then rapes, rapes her. her. Okay. And then... She makes a run for it? She doesn't make a run for it. She just walks down into the river. Mm-hmm. To me, see that... that this is her resigned to her fate. Yes, that is... That is... She is already dead. She's, and she she's, realizes she's, she's, she's making the choice for how she's going to go. Right. That That's what that was to okay, me. Okay, I'll buy that. And that's... To me, the, a lot of the difference between the two movies. Okay. Yeah, I'll buy that totally. Uh, and she gets killed. Yeah. And I think they, this is pretty ballsy as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, the movie you think is about Mary. Yeah. This is not Mary's this is happy, movie. This happy birthday, Mary, or the search after Mary. It's Mary, Mary, Mary. This is not Mary's movie, though. And that's no. the thing. It takes until after the first act that you realize this is not Mary's movie. This is Krug's movie. Yeah. He well, it takes it into the second act. Yeah, because when she when she died, I I didn't know what the time on the movie was. I thought that that was basically it. Yeah, I was like, okay, well now they're just gonna walk back, and those bumbling cops are gonna be there, and something's gonna happen, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, so that's what's pretty ballsy it's it's a it's a big swerve as far as the film goes because really you do think this is mary's movie but it's krug's movie yeah uh they end up going to a home to look for help mm-hmm. and where do they end up they end up at the colin collingwood it's collingwood or collingworth collingwood right wood 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 collingwood collingwood home uh which is mary's parents mm-hmm. um so they welcome them with open arms yeah um 
and like sociopaths that they are, they immediately. Well, at first they don't know. No, but he also cuts the phone line immediately. Yeah. As soon as he gets in there. So you feel like regardless of how this would have went down, it wouldn't have ended up good for for the people that were welcoming the house. Cutting the phone line makes more sense. It looked to me like he cut the cord to the TV. It yeah, it was behind the TV, but it was the phone line I always, I thought. Okay. Um which I think going in regardless of what anything else happened, Kruger decided he's going to kill these people. Yeah. Um because Krug in this movie he's more of completely a sociopath. Just 100%. So there's I mean to the point where skipping ahead a little bit uh, so even not skipping ahead, he has zero empathy for his own son. One hundred percent. He his son is just another tool in his arsenal. Exactly, that's and is only word. as useful as as long as he's a useful tool. Yes. Um. So he has zero empathy for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um. And that I think sh- kind of lays out especially in hindsight, seeing the movie, him cutting that line, he had already decided. The only reason he's keeping these people as alive is because he's decided to. Um, so he cuts the line. Uh, the mom ends up recognizing the necklace that Mary was wearing mm-hmm. around Junior's neck Yeah, uh, and puts together the fact that uh, they end up finding Mary's body. Yeah, she, she suspects and then overhears them talk about it. Yep. Uh, find the body so her and Mary's dad John. decide they're going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he starts some booby traps, which you're going to see kind of becomes a, a staying point for Wes Craven. Okay. We'll go through his filmography. There's a lot of booby traps that you'll find. So, the, yeah, he goes down in the basement and he finds a wrench. And he has this moment where he's like hitting it against his hand and he's like, ah, oh, this feels good. He picks up a trash can lid and uses it like a shield mm-hmm. and is like, okay, I can bash with this. And it looks like this is his entire plan. And then he's like, no, wait, I'm good. You know what? I think I have something better. Puts that stuff down and then immediately lays out a bunch of elaborate booby traps. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. That's what happens. You're right. <laughs> um. it, just, it, it seemed weird. Again, it was a tonal shift. Like, it it goes from, like, so you just saw what happened to Mary, and then they show up at the front door, and you realize that something's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of collision. There's a tension there. Mm-hmm. And then weird booby traps. Like, luckily it's intercut with uh, the mother trying to seduce Weasel. To get him away. Which I feel like she doesn't come necessarily naturally. Like, I feel like you're way too quick to go to seduction. And how much does she fillet him before she bites down on his penis? Not really a lot. I think it was implied that she was rubbing him pretty close. And then he says, hey, I'm going to come. You don't want me to come. And she's like, you could do it like multiple times, right? And he's like, I'm a man, yeah. So, it, the the film is just very sexual throughout the whole thing. Completely. And, and yeah, violently so. Yes, and I don't, 
I, I, that didn't feel genuine to me. It didn't feel like that was a real reaction. Um, that she would go that through it that far. It seems like once she would have him in a vulnerable position, she would go for it. I can't imagine her continuing to fondle like she would have. What do you mean? I mean that her daughter got killed. Mm-hmm. So her plan is to get him into a vulnerable position to hurt him. To me, she she plays it very well because he makes the the decision of, oh, you know, if I were your man, I I could fuck you with my hands tied behind my back. Yes. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying once the hands are behind the back, mm-hmm. his penis is out. She fondles for a couple minutes. I don't feel like that would be necessary. I feel well, like no, she's first got him where she wants him. I think I I think a lot of it. We're arguing over. We're all. This the, is a weird the, argument. There really is over but, the but over the, the the size of his erection and the flaccidity well, of his penis. It's it's uh, the first thing she does is she gets it caught in a zipper, and then. So you know, inflicting a little bit of pain there. Mm-hmm. I, I think th- that there's some sadism there. It's not all practical. There is a bit of sadism in that. Okay, I'll take that. And that she waited for him to orgasm, not because that was the perfect time to do it, like, from a logical standpoint, but because that was the most sadistic time to do it. Okay. That's in my mind. Maybe. It just seemed off for me to imagine my child just getting hurt and in the meantime you're going to waste your time that you could be seeking revenge on this individual that you're going to put it off like I feel like it's something you're going to rush into and I don't know if I could have the 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 tact or the be able to pull back enough to not dive into it immediately I don't know if you know this about women, but they're not really about instant gratification. <laughs> okay. You, you got to go slow. Nice. Um, backing up just a second. Mm-hmm. I loved the scene after they kill both girls that they're washing up in the lake. Yeah. And nothing really happens. No. But I love seeing those like behind the scenes moments. Right. Almost of things that you have to deal with. So like I love the idea of after Jason Voorhees kills somebody, like him having to go clean the ni- his knife off of it or whatever, mm-hmm. like or or Jason killing a dog and eating it, like like he's got to have those things that he does day to day, right? Like okay. Jason has to squat in the woods to take a poop. Yeah, I kind of love those little things, and and obviously I'm joking about those parts of it, but like the idea of them doing a kind of mundane thing that they have to do in between. Right. Uh, I kind of love seeing that little bit. Yeah, and, and it serves kind of a dual purpose in that they need to clean off because they're going to have to, they're going to present an alter ego to yes. this family. Mm-hmm. But also it's a moment and for a first time filmmaker, I think this is what he does well here. There's just this this tiny bit where this whole time that they've all, they've just been psychopath robots that little that tiny little scene it just gives it's a tiny bit of humanizing them 
Yes, I think Sa- a little Sadie bit. in particular, I think, felt a little bit more than the rest of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, Junior obviously was feeling it the yeah. whole time. Um, but between the three core group, I would say Sadie feels it most there. Yeah. So they're at the home. Mm-hmm. They uh, The parents have figured out what happened. Right. They start their plan, and they're going to seek revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pull it off yeah um with a chainsaw with a chainsaw a real chainsaw mm-hmm. and the way that i know for sure that it was a real chainsaw is there was a moment where he uh krug is holding up a like a coffee table yeah and the dad tips the chainsaw forward and it goes through it immediately like yeah. there's no question you have two actors yeah with a real live chainsaw in between them that he's throwing around yeah um i mean he's not getting super dramatic about it right but there's no way that would fly in a real movie like no that that um, was not that was not sag no that there was definitely not that was a real chainsaw and like i said they didn't get crazy with it but that's definitely less safe than i think the average person wants to be on set yeah and another another weird thing that's so that you know like i said with phyllis they like pulled out her intestines like, uh, Junior blows his brains out off camera. At the behest of his father. At the behest of his father. But that happens off camera. Yes. The... But, but not to cut you off. Okay. But more importantly, the most disturbing part of that happens totally on camera, which is a father trying to convince his son to commit suicide. Right. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. Like, that is... That's heavy. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that was I just totally, don't want. I just yeah. don't want to bypass that because yeah. that that goes right along with the weight of the rape and things like that, and right. why I think this movie is hard hitting in a lot. As silly as it can be at times, mm-hmm. it's hard hitting in a lot of ways, and that's one of the most hard hittings is the the concept of that happening. Right. Go ahead. And yeah, I wasn't trying to undercut that at all. That's okay. But my point was that little bit of gore with Phyllis, where they pull out her intestines. But then Junior kills him, blows his brains out off camera, and Krug gets chainsawed off camera. Mm-hmm. It's that seems weird to me. Yes, that they show the gore one place but not the other. Mm-hmm. The other several other chances to show gore and not. You don't see Weasel's penis get bit off. No, I would imagine that's partially a budgetary thing too, because I imagine if. The film that he was making, I don't think he was pulling any punches. I mean, he went a lot of dark places. I think if he could show things, afford to, or have the ability to create that, he probably would have. Maybe. I, I, who knows? Um, so the parents end up getting their revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Right as the cops show up. Which, not, not to undercut the thing again, but uh, how did he get through the front door? It was it was electri- It was electrified. It was electrified. But anyway. Um, he might have tripped a breaker or something when he... Because Krug got electrocuted for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe they tripped a breaker. Something. Um, so it's kind of cool because they have to... You, you, you leave the film and you wonder, like, are the parents going to end up being in trouble now for this? Yeah. Or are the cops going to play ball and everything was in self-defense or what have you in my mind it was uh it was the 70s they'll get off yeah that's that's exactly what i thought (laughs) (laughs) but that's the end we don't know sheriff slap the face was definitely not going to try to do the to prosecute them i don't think for what what went down 
Yeah, but the the movie ends and we don't know, which is good. So with the movie, so we kind of went through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We did our little our little things that we noticed. Overall, what were your thoughts on Last House on the Left from 1972? Uh, I really liked the story. Mm-hmm. I really did not like a lot of the filmmaking choices mm-hmm. that Wes Craven made in his first film. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I have to say about that. I feel about this film like I watch it and I can appreciate for what it's doing, what it tries to be, and the weight that it has, and I can appreciate it for all those things, and I can look past the rest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely know. not something. So this, I think, was an example of a movie that was ripe, ready to be remade because it has so much weight, it has so many good ideas. Like basically you just said – this sounds like an awesome idea. Yeah. Let's turn it over to somebody else. Yeah. So I think this would be the prime movie had we not seen a remake, right? Let's pretend this is 2008. Mm-hmm. I would be like, we should remake this movie. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. So we made the, the remake in 2009. Justin, overarching opinions on the 2009 remake. Uh, it wasn't as good. It, I feel like having watched a few remakes now, it fell into a lot of the same traps in that it tried to explain things that didn't need to be explained. Like the first movie, everything that ha- it's it's an economy, you know? It's economy of story. Mm-hmm. Everything has impact because it has impact and with the exception of the weird soundtrack, we just know it has impact because we're watching it. Like, we don't need to be told what impact it's going to have. Not everything needs to be completely set up. Not everything has to have a neat little bow on it. Okay. And to me, this film was a lot cleaner. Mm -hmm. Everything had a little bow on it. Everything had something 20 minutes, an hour, hour and a half before it happened that showed what it was. And it's a slick Hollywood version of this dark, depressing story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it wasn't as good for it. Okay. So it cleaned up the complaints that you had about the first one. Yeah. And you were unhappy that it did that? So, uh, I guess let's get into it. Do it. So, to me, though they changed a few things here and there, the 100% biggest change from this movie are the characters of, of Mary and Krug. And Mary... Like I said in the first one, uh, she accepts. She is basically dead. She walks into the water, mm-hmm. having accepted that. This Mary has a lot more agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not happenstance that they wind up in front of her house. She directs them there. Um, whereas in the first version... Um, Phyllis is kind of the driver of the pair. Mm-hmm. She's kind of the, the one looking out 
and Mary is mostly purely the victim. Uh, and here, Mary is kind of the instigator, and uh, the Philistine and Paige um, doesn't get much of anything. Uh, she doesn't get much of a character flushed out at all. Okay. Um, but the the Mary has agency in this. Yes. Which normally I appreciate. There, <laughs> there's not a lot of. That's uh, she's a strong female character that makes her own decisions. And I normally applaud that, which if, had I seen this movie first, maybe I I still would, but it takes away the impact of everything. Uh, Yeah. How does, okay, so what, so everything, so it should be easy for you to give me the one example of what it takes away the impact because she makes decisions. So, the the thing about the first one is, it is not immediate. It is not immediately evident that they're going to get their comeuppance for um for what they did. Okay, it seem it seems like two thirds of the way into the movie. That it might just end with, you know, horrible things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they wind up do getting their comeuppance, but it's through no actions of Mary or anything. Okay. Whereas this one, you know, Mary directs everything, and it takes away from the from the final act in that it becomes almost self-defense rather than premeditated vengeance. Okay. I would agree with that part of it. But the thing that I think is the fact that Mary dictates where this film goes is the most, it it lends credibility to the film. So in the original film, we said it was by total luck that they happened to break down literally right in front of the driveway, right? Mm-hmm. In this film, Mary controls, she has them go down the street and then she controls when she ends up causing the car crash in the area of her house. So that means there's no lottery to it. It is a character that it caused this to happen, right? So she definitely did do that. It's not the world that happened to have this incredible coincidence that made this happen she's the one that did that. So that makes the film immediately more believable to me instead of it just happening to have the car break down in front of it, right. the house. So she, you're absolutely right, but I would argue that's one of the biggest strengths that it has in the film is that it makes it that much more believable that that was a character causing that to happen consciously. Okay. Um, the, and the other thing is... Uh, Junior Justin in this film uh, is not a heroin addict. He's just kind of an idiot, fuck no, up pushover. No, no, no. You could not be more wrong about this. So he's he's just he's just a, a pushover. He's not a pushover. So, so this so the in the in the original mm-hmm. Junior was addicted to heroin from his father who was feeding him, possibly vicariously through Sadie while he was in jail. 
Okay. But that part doesn't matter. All we know is when they're together, he, this is He's this is Krug's control yes. mechanism, and we don't know. We don't know the junior before. Okay. However, in the 2009 remake, he's not a pushover. He's a kid that that probably doesn't have a mother because he said she was dead. Mm -hmm. That's probably true. And it was a long time ago. A long time ago. He has a father that was in jail, is obviously a murderer, Mm -hmm. obviously has a whole lot of psychological father issues, but also still wants to please his dad because inherently children want to do that. He's not a pushover. He's got psychological problems that he's trying to wrestle with, like a huge portion of the public does to the nth degree. So you watch him through this film wrestle with the fact that his father, he has expectations of his father. I think the relationship in this film from Krug and Justin is totally believable because Krug isn't even... So in the first film, Krug was just a sociopath, right? Mm-hmm. In this film, he he's obviously evil, okay? But at least if you put yourself in his mind and his perspective, he's trying to help Justin at points. He's like, you need to man up. You need to learn how the real world works. You need to 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 do this. These are the steps that you need to take. I am trying to help you to turn you into what I think you should be, which is a man like me. It's obviously wrong, but in his mind, in Krug's mind, he's trying to do what all fathers want to do, which is make their sons better to improve their sons' lives. He's not trying to convince his son to kill himself. He's trying to make his son better. And Justin is wrestling with that fact that he's being told from his father, this is the way you should do. But he's also wrestling with, I don't think this. So on a much lesser scale, the average teenager has those kind of things, right? The average teenager's like, no, I think I should go hang out with my friends and smoke pot. But their parents are telling them that's not a good idea. Justin's dad is telling him, you need to go rape these girls. And he's saying, I don't think that's a good idea. It's the exact same wrestling with the emotions and the parental relationships that teenagers have but pushed to the nth degree. So I think that's a huge improvement on the original is that everything's explained. He's not just a pushover. He's had years of psychological trauma that's dictating him coming to this final decision at the climax or in the third act of the film with what he's going to do. But to me, in the first movie, Junior is a much more sympathetic character than Justin because he has been he has become this robot slave to a father that doesn't give a shit about him at all whereas Justin has a father that does care about him and that's what's fucking up their relationship because he's a bad father who cares about the wrong things which is true for a huge percentage of people today Right, but also the former I don't see a lot in movies, and the latter I feel like I do all the time. Okay. So that to me that's more of the Hollywoodization is that that is a that is that is a dynam a, a character dynamic, character archetype dynamic mm-hmm. that I see a, a lot whereas the pure psychopath 
doesn't give a fuck about his son Mm -hmm. is more interesting in that I don't see it as often. I would agree with all that, but I would also go with if this movie is going to realism. So if we're talking realism, Mm -hmm. first movie, probably not going to happen. Like it'd take a whole lot of happenstance for that to happen. These people somehow busted out of jail together, right? Whereas the second film, you can see exactly how Krug ended up getting out of jail. I don't need to see that. I don't... Like, the radio saying that Sadie and Junior helped bust them out is all you need. You just... Then you know, hey, they're on the loose. Okay. You don't need to see Sadie blow out a a cop's brain and Krug choke out another officer with a seatbelt. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying that it lends to the credibility of it that you're seeing what these characters have went through. To me, it's the same as Texas Chainsaw skin condition backstory that is totally superfluous to what the movie is about and what the what it is great about the first one. Okay. All right. Um, moving on. <laughs> moving on. I think the casting was phenomenal in this remake. Yeah. Um, I think... Whoever was Krug looks like a perfect replacement for Krug. Yeah. I think Ben Foster, for some reason, can handle playing a shady drug dealing type guy really well. Who would have thought? Ben Foster. I I don't think Ben Foster's in this movie. Did I say Ben Foster? You did say Ben Foster. Damn it. I (laughs) did. Did you mean Aaron Paul? I did mean Aaron Paul. I always get, I screw that up all the time. That's hilarious. Um, you said you knew who Sadie was. I thought whoever she was, she looked just like the other Sadie. Um, I thought it was, I won't say just like, she looked enough like it, you can completely see how they would cast her in that mm-hmm. film. But that's uh, Ricky Lindholm from Garfunkel and Oates, uh, who is a, a comedy duo along with a uh, Kate McCoochie. And they have great songs like The Loophole, which is about how... Uh, fine upstanding christian girls have sex in the butt because jesus doesn't see that (laughs) okay (laughs) yep i got nothing to say about that i'm sorry um the, the one of the other things that i that i really like about the remake is in the same way that that i said that the the relationship between krug and justin is more believable mm-hmm I think that the progression from Krug being uh, an escaped convict to murdering these two girls in the woods is much more realistic and believable than in the original. So in the original, it's just because he's a psychopath. He doesn't seem that concerned with getting caught. Well, it's more so they broke down and they're just they're trying to fix the car and he he needs something out of the trunk phyllis bites him and then that just completely sets him off and now we're going to the woods to teach these girls a lesson and then shit piles up and it, it keeps happening yes so that's just one tiny moment that snowballs into their eventual deaths the there's no there's a whole lot of time. the fact that there is no premeditation to it, I think is great. Okay, 
there's also no premeditation to the remake. However, you can see them. They're in they're desperately trying to get out of the situation that they're in. They want to get away, right? Mm-hmm. Mary causes the car accident, right? Yeah. So she causes that. Mm-hmm. They immediately dispatch Paige so that she's not an issue. Right, which I think was terrible, but this movie is more Mary's movie. Yes. This is definitely I, not Krug's movie at I all. I would agree with that. Um, then Mary runs. Mary gets punished for running mm-hmm. by being raped. Mm-hmm. And then they attempt to murder her. Right. Well, she think, escapes again. She does escape. And then yes. at the last second, they hit her with a bullet. Yes. And they think she's dead. Yes. And which I love the way that that's played out. Because if you're on the opposite end of it, pretend you are Krug. If this is his movie, mm-hmm. like that would be like the sigh of relief moment when she does get hit. Like at yeah. the very last second, they manage to get her. Yeah. And you breathe a sigh of relief and that problem is gone. Yeah. Um, but my point that I'm trying to make with that is you watch the reason that they go through with all of this. I think it flows a whole lot better with showing their justification quote-unquote justification in their minds why they're spending their time doing with this as opposed to getting derailed by getting bitten in the original. So the original, like, to me, it's... It is Krug's movie, but the the playing around with Mary and Phyllis and setting up Krug's character is the most important part about that movie. And so two thirds of the movie is with Mary and Phyllis. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, less than half of the movie is Mary and Phyllis or Mary and Paige at this, in in this point, um, they show up at the house like 50 minutes into an hour and 50 minute movie. So there's a basically a whole hour of them in the guest house and and everything. And that's a problem. It's I mean it's a difference. It's a difference, yeah. Um going back to the very beginning and this is something that I'm still trying to figure out what because so regardless of whether you like the remake or not, mm-hmm. I think you would agree that every decision was meticulously made when they went through that like everything from the fact that he picks up the wrench again to decide if he's going to use it all those things yeah they thought about and made that decision so mary in the remake the very first thing that they do pretty much is they show her getting dressed and they show her midriff they show her chest they show her legs they show her getting dressed right Mm -hmm. she's Said to be 17 again, I believe, in this film. Yeah, and there's a very weird, I thought, when she's actually sliding on her pants, very weird voyeur, it's voyeur, like close up on her panties yes. in a weird, uncomfortable way. So that's where I'm going with this. I'm watching this, and I'm trying to, like, I'm seeing this as being uncomfortable because mm-hmm. Mary very much looks like a young girl in this film to me. Yeah. Are we supposed to be titillated? I feel like we're supposed to feel uncomfortable. Because if that's what they're going for, I feel like they nailed it. Or if they're, 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I have a hard time with it because I definitely felt like I was watching a little girl get dressed. Yeah. And that makes it more uncomfortable when the rape scene happens. So I feel like if that's what they were going for, that makes it even more impactful because I definitely felt like Mary was more of a little girl in this film than the remake. Yeah, Mary is definitely trying to... It's definitely a woman trying to claim her independence in the first one. Yes. Um, And she is more of a little girl in this one. Which I think holds weight. Not that the first one didn't hold weight, because I think that's what the first one did fantastic. But I think this one, that's what it has going for it, is I immediately felt like this is a little girl. Like this is someone's daughter, as opposed Mm -hmm. to... This is a woman. Right. This is someone's daughter that's going through this. Um, so not, I, I not really com- was. It's weird comparing rapes. That's because. Thanks for pointing that out. That that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're like, the first one is the, obviously much more violent. It is. Carving the name in there. Yes. And then raping her. And then she gets up and she vomits. Um, having just gone through all that. That to me that to me was slightly more impactful versus the rape scene. Yes, she obviously, she is more childized or whatever you would say. I don't know how words work sometimes. Uh, she is she is more of a child in this movie and that makes it more impactful. But then she immediately gets her comeuppance. Yeah. And I feel like that takes away some of the weight. That takes a... That takes away some of the tension. I don't I don't know. But I feel like the tension started from the very beginning where they're like challenging, like they're daring you, like be titillated right now. Like I couldn't figure out if they were trying to be titillating. I feel, I, I didn't feel because like. Because it wasn't it, to me. I didn't feel like it was supposed to be except for that, that one shot seemed creeper. Like the, but, but the any shot, creeper cam. Any shot of any age of a female where you're looking at her midriff and her legs and her chest is going to imply titillation. Even if you don't think it is, it's going to imply you're supposed to feel this right now or someone feels this right now. Yeah. And that was disturbing to me from the beginning because it made me feel like I was Krug. Like I'm being forced to view this girl in this manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't get scared by horror films. Uh, and I think the closest thing that I have is feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's as odd to say is that's enjoyable, but that's what I enjoy, I guess from those films is that feeling. I don't get scared. I'm not going to be nervous about turning the light off or whatever when I go to bed. Right. But having that sinking feeling, and that's what I felt, even from the moment of just watching her get dressed in those opening scenes, that was incredibly effective to me. Uh, I didn't. I don't feel like that immediate scene had this, the same impact to me. It just that one shot seemed kind of creepy. Other than that, it just seemed like normal two thousands. You know, hey, hot girl is getting out of the shower and getting dressed. But that's my argument. I don't think, I think this was a girl getting out of the shower and getting dressed. That's what I think is so impactful is that I think that it was a girl. I don't think it's a hot woman getting out of the shower. Either way, they were both 17, man. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I think there's a huge difference between a, uh, 
a 17, somebody that looks 17 and someone that looks 22 play, being told that you're 17? Like I was, I was screaming in my mind when she got out of the shower and we saw her boobs having just been told she was 17 and I was screaming in my mind at that voyeuristic shot. So I guess in both ways, both films for me had an equal impact of more, more I felt like I was yelling at the filmmaker (laughs) for making, (laughs) for like, for putting that out there. So, so that being said, you just said that that is the same thing, I guess. Yeah, that is the same thing. So he told you, Hey, she's 17. Look at her boobs, which you're liking seeing, but you're immediately feeling uncomfortable for liking seeing her boobs because you were told she was 17 Uh or this girl looks 17. I'm presenting this to you as if you should enjoy it, even though you don't necessarily do it. I think that's, two attempts to convey the same reaction sure maybe um another thing in in this movie is at one point it seems like sadie kind of turns and in this one like krug isn't as evil in this movie no but i feel like the 2009 sadie has a moment of Oh man, are we the bad guys here? That kind of, that kind of moment, and mm-hmm. I, f- I felt like again that's something that I, I appreciated from the first one is that there aren't those, and I feel like that's another one that kind of undercuts a lot of the impact of the the newer one for me. I think that that makes so in real life when you're arguing, all right, so you'd have arguments with a girlfriend, right? Looking back at it, were you as right as you said you were in those moments? I mean, I'm always right. <laughs> so being realistic, you, yeah. you, you weren't as right, obviously, right? right? Um, so I think that's when you're... Wa- and that's why I think TV is so good now is because you have time to explore the fact that not everybody's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just creating real characters when they have an internal conflict. Like I said... Uh, I watch a lot of good TV. I like flawed characters. Having having seen that first movie first, mm-hmm. I liked how they presented their characters better, even okay. if they were... One note is, is a bad... It's, it's usually a bad word. You know, it's a bad phrase. Yeah. But it was a real good note. So you like the fact that those characters were consistent. Yes, uh, they didn't. They didn't need arcs. They were stand-ins for the real evil that exists in the world, okay. and the that was the device of of showing you that evil exists in the world. And apparently, it can be overcome with chainsaws. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's a moment in the remake where Justin gets drinks a cup of hot chocolate. Yeah. And for a moment there, I was like, what the fuck? Who over the age of eight is going to drink a cup of hot chocolate? And I remembered a couple of weeks ago, you and I going to, to IHOP. And, and I you, ordered a and hot you chocolate. Ordered a hot chocolate. And I was like, all right, point, point made. Yeah. <laughs> Both Justin on 
the screen and sitting beside me is the one that are the two people that are over the age of 12 that are going to order hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Him, me, Timberlake. We all love hot chocolate. <laughs> it's a Justin, Justin thing. thing. Um, so overall, I think I know where you stand. It sounds like you would prefer the original to the remake. I, I definitely would. I, Even with all of its filmmaking flaws, I feel like this, the story is much better. And I, I will always take, I love film, but I'll always take a, a good story over slick filmmaking. I'm going to disagree with you, and I will give my vote to the remake, not necessarily because of the slickness, but because I think that the motivations for each character are more established. It's more believable. The film has a lot more credibility when you're breaking it down, why each person uh, is motivated to do the things that they do. Um, so yeah, we'll disagree. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Crazy. Think we can make it three? Uh, I don't know. What's on tap? All right. So next week, film number one. A Rob Zombie film, House of a Thousand Corpus Corpses. That's how words work, right? <laughs> Did you say corpus? Or something. something. Um, I, I got ahead and was trying to read a work of demonic brilliance. Do you know uh, anything about this film? Uh, I I know that Chris Hardwick has a cameo in it, and I feel like he dies good or something. I don't know. Nerdist okay. podcast. It's okay. What do you expect to see? Um, a lot of gore that I'm probably not going to like. Okay. And the second film that we're going to be watching, Rob Zombie double feature. This is the double the Devil's Rejects, and this is another one that I've heard is real gory. So. I feel like it's going to be very disturbing when when next we meet. I'm going to be disturbed, and you're going to laugh at me. Okay. Any predictions for that other than... Uh, this, I mean... I, I feel like I want, I want you to, like, you're not going to have any... Like, the odds that you would get this right are going to be so minuscule, but I want you to tell me, like, you're going to see a giant bat fly through and rip someone's head off and then lay bat eggs inside of its head, and they hatch into... Uh, mini ferrets which turn into caterpillars is that what happens in this movie none of that happens but that's okay. what i want to see you guess like i want to see you come up with this crazy crazy situation and pick one of these films give me something that you anticipate seeing all right well devil's rejects just has three people with like guns and stuff so they're probably just gonna like murder people um house of a thousand corpses has a weird clown guy some Satanism thing, weird, yeah, the we- weird facial facial accoutrement on the back of this one. Uh, so there's probably going to be a house where people die. <laughs> you don't. I it don't might f- be. It might. I don't be feel like circus-y. you're going quite out on the limb that I'm. In t- <laughs> I'm asking you to go out on. I don't think that these are <laughs> limb ones. <laughs> There, it's, yeah, there's a weird clown guy and people with guns. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll meet next week and figure all that out. Okay. All right. All right. She was only seventeen. <laughs>